Welcome to the Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Hi, this is Papa Tom at the Father's Heart Talk Show. And I hope you're all having a good day. I'm certainly having a good day. And I always have a good day when I'm with my dad. And every morning I wake up and I talk to him and uh, we decide to do life together. And today we have a special guest with us. I don't know how many of you like to dream out there, but most of you may not want a nightmare. But I've got the Russian nightmare with me today. And uh, he's, he's not so scary, I mean, in person. But uh, I, I, I trust that you will uh, appreciate his insights because of all things, even though he's a Russian nightmare, he has a father's heart. And as that as his father's heart comes his love and his kindness, and he speaks really truth, and he really speaks truth to men. He's got a ministry, a book. I mean, the, guy, the guy's got it going, man, on all things in media. And so uh, with that in mind, uh, here is Nikita Koloff, the Russian nightmare. Papa Tom, hey, great <laughs> to be with you. And, uh, you know, I did strike the fear, fear in the hearts of men in the past, but maybe not so much. I hope not so much anymore. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, great to be with you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, it was great to meet you. I think we met, uh, maybe it was uh, two, two months ago or so, like at Morningstar. They had a men's conference, and you were the MC and the guest speaker of that. And uh, it really struck me as something that God put it on my heart to reach out to you. Mm -hmm. It took us a while to get together, but I'm so glad we were able to make this meeting happen because I think there's things that we'd like to say that God wants to say through us to touch people's hearts and to uh, particularly men out there. Well, I, lo I love the title of your show, The Father's Heart. And I love the Papa Tom. I love that as well. And you, know, you said you wake up every day with your, with your, with your dad, uh, right? Our, our, our Abba, our, our Heavenly Father, our, our, our Heavenly Papa, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, just love, I love, I love that. And uh, yeah, I was at that men's conference in, in, uh, in Morningstar, Fort Mill, South Carolina, and had a, about a two and a half day conference there. And, and uh, quite a few men that came out and lives were impacted by a variety of speakers that we had there. I was, sure. I was overseeing it, organizing it, overseeing it, and then emceeing it. Uh, mm -hmm. as well, and, and uh, just got great feedback from, from that conference. So. Yeah. I, I've actually met a couple of people um, subsequent to that conference in other conferences I attended, and I had met them there, and uh, we connected pretty well on the things we're doing. Uh, one of the other people at that conference, as uh, you know, was Stu Epperson Jr. Oh, a, a, a mutual comrade. Yes. yes. A yes. comrade. A comrade. That's right. Because <laughs> right now, it's like people are trying to wait. He doesn't sound very Russian. The, the Russian nightmare doesn't sound very There's a whole story behind that, but we, that's for another time. But sure. yeah, but Stu, Stu Epperson, yeah, Truth Radio Network, incredible, incredible, incredible heart of him, himself for, for, especially for the lost, for the lost. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, the, calling and destiny that God's put on my life since I left the financial services industry in 2020 was to get involved with media. And he's introducing me with different people in media. And uh, I met uh, Stu about uh, 18 months ago through a mutual friend who used to own this radio station. And uh, he told me so much about his father, Stu Epperson Sr., mm. who was the founder of Salem Communications. Right. And uh, it's an amazing history. Everybody has a history. And everybody's history is, leads into their calling and destiny and where God's taking them. And so I see in my life uh, going into media that I'm in, we realize we're in a war. Mm. And the war is a um, psychops war. It's a, it's a war that's going on between good and evil. And in the war that we're going on, we're in the Air Force. 
Mm. The Air Force is Good. the media going yeah. against the prince of the power of the air. Mm. And uh, this is something where broadcast media, radio, podcasts, uh, these different things. I don't know if you remember it, but I write children's books, Papa okay. Tom's Tales, A Grandfather's Bedtime Stories. Mm. And they're all designed around Malachi 4.6, bringing the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. Lest they smite the land with a curse. And the curse that we're suffering because the enemy has successfully taken men out of being men and men certainly being taken out from being fathers. The father's heart is to protect, to provide, and to mentor. And to the extent that he can take out, he can, he can crush the, uh, the families. And in crushing the families, he crushes society. This is the power base that, go, that leaves as men become fearful mm -hmm. because they don't have a father in their life encouraging them and helping them reach their calling and destiny. Right. What was your relationship with your dad growing up? So it's, it, it's an interesting story. It's, it's, it's a, there's a whole story there of redemption. And, and my dad left when I was three. And so talking about taking the fathers out of the home, he, yeah. you know, it was his choice. He left, I was the youngest of four. He left when I was three, left my mom to raise four, um, born in the, in the projects of Minneapolis, mm -hmm. Minnesota. So not Minnesota. even from Russia, the Russian neighbors, <laughs> not even from Russia, from Minnesota. I can tell by your blonde hair. That's right. That's right. That's a, and, and blue eyes, and yes. blonde hair and blue eyes. But, um, and and so, you know, we were a product of welfare because he didn't financially support the family. Mm. We were in the projects of Minneapolis uh, before my mother was able to move us out to the suburbs. Mm. Uh, and so there was no influence there. My first real male mentor was my seventh grade football coach, Bill Burke. Mm. And he became my, and then in ninth grade, Jerry McFarlane, who was a health teacher and a professional bodybuilder, mm -hmm. uh, became a second mentor uh, of mine. And it would only be later on in life, and we can get more into that story, in my 40s and my dad in his 80s, where the, the Lord restored a, if you want to say, a father-son relationship mm -hmm. that I had not had prior to that. So, yeah. Well, it, it, you know, God provides for us in various different ways. And if a, a father is available, a biological father is available, that's his first choice. Right. But sometimes that doesn't work. That's right. And if a father's choice is to pr provide, protect, and to mentor, your dad wasn't there to provide if you were in the projects. He wasn't there to protect you also in the projects. Right. And then he wasn't only there to mentor you because he just was absent. And right. that's what the uh, evil tries to do in different people's lives so they don't grow up to be men like yourself or you know, people who uh, can take on the mantle of being a father for yeah. the next generation. Yeah, and, and, and it's all just, you know, for, for those out there in, in viewing and listening land, um, you know, in my mid-40s, in my mid-80s, the Lord put it on my heart to begin to reach out to Him. Now, He had He had come to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Ironically, He had come to the Lord at age 46, and it was age 46 when when uh, on His, actually his 40, actually on His birthday, that the Lord brought about reconciliation uh, between him and I. And for the first time in my life, in my 40s, I said, I love you to him. And mm. in his 80s, for the first time in his life, he said, I love you to me. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I saw God do some miraculous things there the last eight or nine years of his life mm -hmm. uh, and being able to travel with me and being able to, to really tag team for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he would share his testimony of how he grabbed the old rugged cross mm -hmm. uh, and then I would preach 
So we had the father, son. When he's and then, in his 80s doing this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he traveled. Yeah, churches would bring him in to share his testimony, and then I'd preach. So we had father, son, and Holy Spirit all present there in, in one wow. service, and, and lives were impacted by, was, by his testimony. A blessing for you. Incredible. Yeah. In, incredible. Incredible blessing. I did a whole special uh, radio show podcast on 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 that that full story, a twenty seven minute story, and found Tom. I found, in a sense, by accident, of uh, uh, his testimony on a CD. I didn't even know I had hmm. from one of those churches that I was able to to then uh, uh, pull that that testimony off and share that with all the listeners. It was yeah. incredible. So we're going to be bringing this segment to a close here in a few about 30 seconds. However, um, these stories in people's lives or their relationships with their fathers have such an incredible impact on our lives, whether it's um, all the children, whether it's boys or girls, it's not gender specific, but um, God uses fathers in our lives wherever possible he can to uh, bring us to our calling and destinies and helping you with the ministry that you're now having, uh, sharing your life with other people's lives and impacting their lives. We'll be back in a moment with Nikita Kola. We're back with Nikita Koloff, the Russian nightmare. And during the break, I was describing to him that I don't really see myself as being an evangelist, uh, more God using me for discipleship, particularly helping men find their calling and destinies. But with that in mind, I said, you know, the devil has done just an effective job with the word Jesus, that he, he sort of like inoculates people against the truth. If you use the, name, the word, just use the word Jesus. Yeah, just use that name. Yeah. yeah. They shut down. Right. But if you talk to people about their fathers, tell me about your father. Whoop, they're wide open, open up. Well, here's, Tom, here's the thing. So to that point, okay, mm-hmm. and, and if you sit down with someone Here's an easy way to engage and open up a conversation. It's just, it's just to say this. Like, you're a storyteller, right? right. You write books and you tell stories. It's just to say, tell me your story. Exactly. Something as simple as that, and to your point, and, and typically people, yeah, will open up and begin to share. And if you listen, if you become a good listener, yes, they'll give you insight into their life and why, why they are where they're at in life because of, and many times it it goes back to the childhood. It goes back to that relationship with their dad, if they even had one, right? Or if they did, whether it was good or bad. And so, yeah. To so for you know, if you want to, if you're listening out there, you want to engage in a conversation with them. Just say, tell me your story, and then just be quiet and let them talk. Yeah, I more specifically, right along, right along those lines. Instead of just keeping open ended and saying, tell me about your story. I ask them specifically about what their relationship was like with their father. Okay. Yeah, that's so I, good. I directly, I, I, call, I yeah. start off getting my car and I say, you know, that's the father's hot talk show. What mm-hmm. was your relationship with your father like? Right. Just like I did with you earlier in the segment. I just said to mm-hmm. you, you know, about your dad and, and you mm-hmm. have a miraculous redemptive story about your father. Right. Right. Most people don't have that story. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have that story to tell, but that's a story that needs to be told. Mm-hmm. That's something that needs to get out on the air. That needs something that needs to get in the ether, and people need to hear stories about that, particularly redemptive stories. Yeah, no, absolutely, because that brings people hope, right? And, yes. you know, you going back to the attack on the family and, and you know, the enemy, and, and, you know, the dad, a dad, a father plays such a critical role 
in 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 the family, right? Sons and daughters, as you made reference mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. and and in in a good or bad way, right? Sure. But and but all that to say, if the enemy can pluck that father out of the family, then then those children who are now fatherless, you go look at the statistics, and gosh, there's all kinds of uh, of of poor decisions that those children make because they don't have that mentor or that protection or that influence of a dad. Right. Right. So I can easily see why, why the enemy goes after men. Mm -hmm. You know, they say the prisons are full of people who don't have either didn't have a father at all or didn't have a relationship with their father, period. Um, It's not even having a bad relationship with the father. It seems like the, even if you had a bad relationship with the father, it's better than having one not at all. Well, well, let me say this. You mentioned the prisons because, and I'm sure you've heard this story. And this is like, like this is like a not a made up story, but like, and I forget what prison, what what ministry it was. It might have been like Bill Glass Prison Ministries or something. But it was a ministry that brought Mother's Day cards to the prison one time, right? Right. And and they ran out of Mother's Day cards. Right. They ran out. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard the story or not. So they thought, you, wow. You told me the story. Was I know where you're going okay, with this. Yeah. <laughs> Fa- Father's Day was the following month, right? Right. And they're like, man, we need to bring twice as many Father's Day cards. I mean, it's I'm exaggerated slightly, but like they, they got rid of like two Father's Day cards. I mean, it was like nobody wanted a Father's Day card in that prison, right. but everybody wanted a Mother's Day card. Right. And I guess to the again, to the to that point of. What kind of relationship, you know, did those men in in that have with their dad? Apparently, not a good one for the fact that they didn't want a card to even send their their dad if they even knew who their dad was. That's the next point. That's the next point. They don't probably didn't even know who their dad was. Right. You know, um, my oldest son went to a, a big sports school and he grew up in high school up in Maryland, and uh, it, many of the athletes came out of the black community. Uh, various black communities in the Washington, D.C. area uh, in Maryland. And he used to tell me that all the jokes that his teammates used to tell were about the mothers. Mm. There were no jokes. No one ever told a joke for four years that he was in high school. No one ever told a joke in the, in the locker rooms about their fathers. Wow. Wow. Interesting. It, I mean, it, you get down to a brass tacks yeah. Uh, uh, communication of things. And yeah. you can tell a lot about people about what they joke about yeah. and what they don't joke about. Yeah, and they always say there's a half-truth in every joke as well, right? right? So even though somebody's joking, somewhere under, there's an underlying current of truth in, in that in that whole joke, right? That's right. Interesting. So um, when you told the story about your dad and the redemption you had with him, how did God did that provide any motivation for you for either writing a book or the ministry you have with the Man Camp and the Man Up Conference? Yeah, it, it all actually it all kind of ties in. It was all centered around that same same time period. It was, I'm going to go back to just quickly to 2006 when the Lord had put it on my heart. I was actually going through a a a, a, um, a program of of blessing generations. So I raised four girls, survived. 
Uh, thank you, Lord. You didn't have any boys? <laughs> I raised four girls. <laughs> uh, you know why you didn't have any boys? Yeah, I do know why. <laughs> the Lord knows what he's doing. Exactly. Don't give exactly, him any boys. Exactly what I got to say. Don't give him any boys, right? And then uh, 11 grandkids and, and counting. In fact, the first grandkid was a girl. I'm like, Lord, am I going to ever get any boys here? In the so, but now I got four son-in-laws, yeah. so I'm blessed with four. Well, you can beat the hell out of them. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, all, so all that to say, though, um, and so January 2006, the Lord put it on my heart to begin to reach out to my dad. Mm -hmm. I'm living in the Carolinas. He's living in Minnesota. I start calling him on a weekly basis. The Lord put it on my heart to start, start telling him to, to say every time before I hung up, hey, dad, one more thing. I love you. And, and, and right. Mm -hmm. So through my persistence, OK, of calling every week, having a conversation with him, telling him I loved him. Right. Uh, his heart began to soften toward towards towards me and towards that, right? Fast forward to March of 2006, I went to a camp of my own in South Texas. It was there I had to write a letter to my father. And then and then the Lord says, mail it to your father. And I'm like, like for real, Laurel, thanks, Lord. Thanks a lot, right? And I did. A few weeks later, I got a very simple letter back from him thanking him for thanking me for the letter. Fast forward two more months to May of 06. It's his birthday. I had been consistently every week calling him, talking with him, telling him I loved him. Mm -hmm. And on that call, before we hung up for the very first time, uh, before he hung up, he said, I love you, son, for the very first time, right? And then that opened the door for him to begin to travel some with me in his 80s into his 90s. He mm -hmm. lived to be 92. Mm -hmm. um, Good and old age. A, a, a ripe old age. And, and and share his testimony and his story and, and the Lord directed me up to Minnesota to where I literally was there the last few days of his life. And the very last words, Tom, off of his lips, the night I gave him, gave him a hug and, and, and departed from his room was, I love you, son. Mm -hmm. So the very last words I heard yes. him speak to me were, I love you, son. You know, that's the same thing that happened to me in my life. Mm -hmm. What you just described. Really? Yeah. I'm the oldest of eight children from an Irish Catholic family. Born in Brooklyn, New York, grew up in Long Island. And uh, my father had a lot of addictions in his life. You know, uh, alcoholic addictions, mm -hmm. different things. Yeah. So yeah. things got strained a little bit. As his oldest son, firstborn son, I was his pride and joy. Sure. Right. Um, but things got strained over the years because of the alcoholism and things like that. And then he ended up in a, in a home down in Florida. But we still talked. Was, and he became, uh, God used me to uh, introduce him to the Lord actually. So he became a believer uh, 20 years or so before he passed away. But we're going to lower the clock and get a short story out of it. Um, getting back to his time he died, uh, he was down in Florida and I got a call from the um, nursing people and said his vital signs are all jumping up all over the place. He's not going to last very long. Yeah. So get down here if you can, if you want to see him before he passes. So this was on a, uh, a Saturday uh, I got the call Saturday morning and I made arrangements first thing Sunday morning about nine o'clock uh, to uh, fly down to Florida. He was living in the Pensacola area and I uh, got to the nursing home about one o'clock in the afternoon, walked in the door. He didn't know I was coming. And uh, none of the other seven children ever showed up when he was in the nursing home for the last mm -hmm. two or three years of his life. And he's in the nursing home and, he, and he's the only one in that room that I went into. And he turns and looks at me and says, Tommy, 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 Tommy. 
He must have said my name 50 times. Mm. And then the next thing he said, I love you, Tommy. Mm. I love you, Tommy. Wow. Another 50 times. Wow. He kept saying it over. It was like embarrassing me yeah. that he was saying my name so many times and saying, I love you, Tommy. I love you, Tommy, over and over and over and over again. It was what he wanted to happen before he passed. Right. See what I'm saying? Yep. Absolutely. And, um, he said that when I want him to talk to him, he says, it's a perfect ending to a perfect life. Mm. And I, then he fell asleep because he wasn't, you know, yep. he's in and out of sleeping. Yep. I walked outside, I picked up my phone call and I called my wife, Janie, and said, my dad had told me something very strange. He said, it's the perfect ending to a perfect life. And she, and my wife says, was he delusional? <laughs> right, 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 right. He says he was so messed up yeah. with all his addictions, right? Alcohol, sex, right. all the whole things. Right? He, yeah. he knows life. How could he possibly say it was the perfect ending to a perfect life? Yeah. And it didn't strike me until several days he, he passed away that morning. Mm -hmm. But what he meant by it was, he said God told him it would be a perfect. It was a perfect ending, a perfect life. Mm. My coming to see him. Yeah, was complete. See, the word perfect doesn't mean you did everything perfectly right. Perfect meant it was complete. So he was saying it was completed. His, right. his life had ended. He was coming to the end of his life and his oldest son shows up on his deathbed and it was the perfect ending to a perfect life. Almost reminds me of uh, David on his deathbed speaking, giving Solomon, his son Solomon, yes. a charge, right? Yes. Very similar. Uh, kind of reminds me of that right? yeah. as you're saying that. Wow, what a... This is something going on between him and God. Him. The right. moment for him that is. Yeah. And uh, I went back into the, the hotel later that night. I got a call and one o'clock, within 12 hours, he had yeah. passed away. Wow. Wow. Yeah, what a way, what a way for him... What a memory for him, right? It's right, it kind of a final memory. And for you. me. Yeah, yeah. You know, to take that with me. Yeah. And I'll remember, it was one of those things that etched in the back of my mind forever. Yeah. I know I'll see him again in heaven. And with that, we need to close. We'll be back with another segment with Nikita Kolov, the Russian nightmare.